RTHK News. Good afternoon, it's one o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. An HKUST student dies in hospital after a protest-related fall in a Chengkwano car park on Sunday. The government argues against giving the media an exemption from an injunction that bans the public from doxing the police and a highway maintenance worker is killed by an alleged drunk driver on the Qinglong Highway. Queen Elizabeth Hospital has confirmed that the university student who reportedly fell from a car park in Chengkwano in the early hours of Monday morning has died. Wendy Wong reports. 22-year-old Chao Chi Lok was left with bleeding from the brain from the incident, which occurred near to where police were conducting a protest dispersal operation using tear gas in the early hours of the morning. Uncertainty surrounds what happened as the car park operator, the link reach, says it occurred in a blind spot not covered by surveillance cameras. Police on Tuesday said they'd ruled out the possibility of the University of Science and Technology students being chased or pushed by police, saying officers only entered the car park after the estimated time of his fall, which they said happened between 12.45pm and 1am. The institution's president, Wei Shi, broke the sad news at a graduation ceremony this morning. We just confirmed the tragic news that our student, Mr. Chow, Zhou Zile, has passed away. We would like to observe a moment of silence in remembrance of him. Would you please rise? A spokesman for HKUST Student Union, Fu Poi Ying, urged the institution's president, Wei Shi, to find out more about the cause of Chao's death. We're definitely very sad about Chao's death, and at this stage, we don't have any other action for finding out the truth of Chao's death, but we will definitely assist the school and urge our president to find out the fact of Chao's death. The government says it's deeply saddened by Chow's death and would like to send its deepest sympathies to his family. In a statement, a spokesman said the police are highly concerned about the incident and officers are doing their utmost to investigate the incident in a bid to find out what happened. The government has argued against giving the media an exemption from an injunction that bans the public from harassing or leaking the personal data of police. Tom McElindon reports. A lawyer for the Department of Justice and the Police Commissioner said providing a blanket exemption to the press would undermine the effectiveness of the injunction. He said whatever names reported would be abused and would facilitate doxing against officers where their private information is posted online. He said the application from the Hong Kong Journalists Association was unnecessary. But the lawyer for the association told the court that the government was trying to restrict lawful reporting activities and press freedom shouldn't be compromised. He said the government should go after the perpetrators of doxing as the press were not responsible, nor should they be made to suffer. The interim injunction was granted at the end of last month to ban people from intimidating, molesting, harassing, threatening, pestering or interfering with police or their families, as well as leaking their personal information. Police have said many officers have been victims of doxing since protests broke out in June, causing some to fear for their safety. A 32-year-old man has died in a traffic accident in Pat Hung. He alighted from his maintenance truck, which had stopped in the middle lane of Qinglong Highway, heading towards Yunlong. At about 4am, a private car reportedly rammed the back of the truck just after passing Thailand Tunnel Toll Plaza. The 25-year-old driver was arrested for drink driving and dangerous driving causing death. 
A 30-year-old man who attacked pro-Beijing lawmaker Junius Ho with a knife on Wednesday has had his case reclassified from wounding to attempted murder and has appeared at founding magistrates' courts where the case was adjourned until February. Mr Ho was injured in the chest in the incident and taken to Tunmun Hospital. Turning overseas, a New York state judge has ordered President Trump to pay two million U.S. dollars in damages for illegally using money from his charitable foundation to further his 2016 election campaign. It's in settlement of a lawsuit filed by the New York Attorney General's office against the directors of the Donald J. Trump Foundation, which include the president himself and his three eldest children. Jordan Libovitz is a spokesman for the campaign group Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. This is a pretty major decision. Two million dollars is not a small amount of money, even for Donald Trump. Would we like to see it have gone a little further, outright banning him and his children from serving on the boards of other nonprofits? Sure. It's been disclosed that a senior U.S. State Department official has told the Trump impeachment inquiry that the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, conducted a smear campaign against the American ambassador to Ukraine. George Kent, who oversees U.S. policy on Ukraine, gave closed-door testimony to the investigation last month that Mr Giuliani's assertions against the then-ambassador were full of lies. Here's the BBC's David Willis. George Kent said that as well as the former U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine, Marie Yovanovitch, he was also part of a whispering campaign conducted by Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Kent added that asking another country to investigate someone for political reasons undermined America's advocacy of the rule of law. Next week sees the start of public hearings in the impeachment inquiry, and one of the first people due to testify is George Kent. The American billionaire businessman Michael Bloomberg is strongly considering entering the race for the Democratic Party presidential nomination. He's expected to file paperwork this week ahead of a deadline for the Democratic presidential primary in Alabama. The BBC's John Sopel reports. So far, this is only a single toe entering the water, but it's a significant one. The presence of the former New York mayor and multi-billionaire would set alight the race for the Democratic Party nomination. Last night, a spokesman for Michael Bloomberg explained the thinking. We now need to finish the job and ensure that Trump is defeated, he said. But, he went on, Mike is increasingly concerned that the current field of candidates is not well positioned to do that. The politician closest to Mr Bloomberg's centrist outlook is the former Vice President Joe Biden. But his campaign appears to be fading. The Pentagon says the United States isn't profiting from Syrian petroleum, despite having deployed troops to protect oil fields in the east of the country. A Pentagon spokesman, Jonathan Hoffman, told reporters in Washington that the revenue was going to the Kurdish-led Syrian Democratic Forces, not the United States. We are going to continue with our efforts to maintain it, not just to keep it from ISIS, but as the Secretary has mentioned previously, uh, to provide the Kurds in the area and the SDF with forces to actually have a, a revenue stream and an ability to, uh, to work on, on building up their strength for, to, on the de-ISIS campaign. Hundreds of people have converged on a remote Mormon community in northern Mexico for the first funerals for the Mexican-American women and children killed by gunmen earlier this week. One of the mourners had this message for the authorities. They really need to get on it and really need to take it very seriously because it is serious. This should not have happened to three women and the children that were all hurt, injured and died needlessly. I just feel like it absolutely has to be taken care of.
The German Chancellor Angela Merkel has rejected sweeping criticisms of NATO made by the French president. In an interview, Emmanuel Macron said a lack of strategic, dis- strategic decision-making between the United States and its NATO allies was leading to what he termed brain death in the bloc. Mrs Merkel described his words as drastic, calling NATO indispensable. Her opinions were echoed by the NATO chief Jens Stoltenberg. Any attempt to distance uh, Europe from uh, North America risks uh, not only to weaken the alliance, the transatlantic bond, but also to divide Europe. So therefore we have to stand together. I welcome European unity. I welcome efforts to strengthen European defence, but European unity cannot replace transatlantic unity. Brazil's Supreme Court has voted to overturn a three-year-old rule requiring convicted criminals to go to prison after losing their first appeal, rather than remaining free until they've exhausted their appeal options. Here's the BBC's Candice Piet. This Supreme Court ruling could have important consequences for Brazilian politics. Before he was jailed for corruption, Lula was the favourite to win last year's presidential elections. He's currently appealing against several sentences for corruption from his prison cell in a police station in southern Brazil. Minutes after the court ruling was announced, Lula's lawyers had already demanded he walk free. If they succeed, Lula could once again become a beacon of the left, which is desperately in need of leadership to challenge the right-wing government of President Jair Bolsonaro. Muslims and Jews have held events in Bosnia to mark the bicentenary of an event they hail as a beacon of solidarity between the faiths. In 1819, Muslims in Sarajevo rescued a group of Jewish leaders from an Ottoman prison. The Turkish governor had wanted a huge ransom to spare their lives. The BBC's Guy Delorny reports. Sarajevo was long renowned as one of Europe's most tolerant places. Muslims, Jews and Christians of different denominations peacefully coexisted in Bosnia's capital and two centuries ago they famously stood up for their neighbours. The selfless solidarity has never been forgotten despite two world wars and the calamitous conflict of the 1990s. The bicentenary celebrations reaffirmed that friendship. The leader of Bosnia's Jewish community, Jakob Finci, asked if we can live normally with Muslims, why can't everyone else in the world? The Turkish president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, has again threatened to permit mass migration of refugees to Europe unless the EU provides additional support to accommodate migrants in Turkey. During a visit to Hungary, Mr Erdogan said Turkey would continue hosting Syrian people who he said would otherwise migrate to Europe. If we see that this doesn't work, just like I said before, we will have no option left but to open the gates. If we open the gates, it is obvious where they'll go. Customs authorities in Nigeria have banned the sale of petrol within 20 kilometres of the country's borders. The controversial move is an attempt to prevent heavily subsidised Nigerian petrol from being smuggled for sale in neighbouring countries. From Abuja, the BBC's Chris Iwoko reports. Nigeria Customs Service spokesman Joseph Atta told the BBC the proliferation of petrol stations around border towns have been used to divert millions of litres of petroleum products. He said the restrictions are meant to curb smuggling. Nigeria has kept its land borders closed to trade since August in an attempt to limit foreign products. Neighbouring countries have expressed anger over the impact the closure is having on their economies. 
To finance news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 27,716. That's 131 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $42 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.22 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 10 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 2 cents. And now with the sports news, here's Adam Chung. Hong Kong's women's rugby sevens coach Ian Monaghan says the players have done all the preparations necessary for this weekend's Olympic qualifiers in Guangzhou. They are one of eight teams fighting for one spot in Tokyo 2020. Hong Kong kickoff against Sri Lanka at 2.45 p.m. tomorrow. They'll also have to play the host China and South Korea. Hong Kong's players took part in a nine-day training program in Canada last month. Monaghan says the trip has given the team more clarity to take into this weekend. We've done pretty much most of our preparation the last couple of weeks. Uh, we put some of the final pieces to the puzzle to to bed when we were in Canada, which was good, and that's then allowed us to just work closely with individuals and units and the team as a whole, just to physically prepare and mentally prepare so that we're clear on the opportunity that we have from going up to China and the qualifier. We've performed well against all three teams throughout the year, which are main threats, but we take we will be taking every game as it comes, and, and that starts with Sri Lanka, and we've done our preparation for them, and we look forward to that first game. Hong Kong captain Melody Lee says their key to success is to approach the tournament one game at a time. I think, like, because this is a really big tournament and like it's a once in a life, lifetime like uh, game, there will be a little bit of pressure. But I don't think we have to like put too much burden on ourselves because uh, we're like we're here to like perform, play our best, and the uh, performance will eventually come. And uh, we'll be focusing on the first day first, like in the pool games, and we'll then play game by game. To football's Europa League, where Manchester United have cruised into the knockout stages with a 3-0 victory over partisan Belgrade at Old Trafford. Goals from Mason Greenwood, Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford took United into the last 32 with two games to spare. And for the very first time, Celtic have beaten an Italian club in European competition. They reached the last 32 after winning 2-1 at Lazio. Week 10 of the NFL season kicked off with victory for the Oakland Raiders. Josh Jacobs scored on an 18-yard run with a minute remaining as the Raiders beat the LA Chargers 26-24. Oakland improved to 5-4. They now trail the AFC West leaders Kansas City by just one game. And in the NBA, the Philadelphia 76ers will be without their all-star forward Ben Simmons for tonight's game against the Denver Nuggets. The Australian sprained his right shoulder during Wednesday's defeat against the Utah Jazz. He bumped into Royce O'Neal while posting up. Simmons has been averaging 13 points per game. The Sixers have won 5 of 7 to start the season. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Atom. And that's the news from RTHK. Elderly people are at higher risk of severe pneumonia and life-threatening diseases when they are infected with pneumococcus bacteria. If drug-resistant bacteria cause an infection, treatment is more difficult. To prevent pneumococcal infection, one should get vaccinated. Elderly people aged 65 years old or above can get pneumococcal vaccination for free at public clinics or with a subsidy at private clinics. Call 2125-2125 to know more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. 
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 Show this Friday afternoon with me, Karen Coe. It is the end of the week. Hope you had a great one and looks like it's going to be a great weekend coming up. But before we get there, we've got a busy show today for you. We've got more authors from this year's International Literary Festival, Beth.